Hey, what's up? And thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm the host, Aaron Dodson. Psalm 119, verse 34, best describes this podcast. The psalmist wrote in the long ago, Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. This is the podcast where I discuss the sacred text and I do my best to help myself and others understand it. In this episode, I'm going to continue with the theme that's reoccurring on my podcast channel, Striking Contrast. There is a striking contrast between Christianity, as learned from the pages of the New Testament, and what you see in Christendom, professed Christianity, denominationalism today. And the particular subject of Scripture that I want us to consider, I want you to consider with me, is the weekly observance of the Lord's Supper in worship. Look with me first at John chapter 4, verse 24. John chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus, in dealing with the Samaritan woman, spoke to her regarding the importance of worship. When she perceived uh, that he, Jesus, was a prophet, She brought up the subject of worship, so Jesus discussed it. She said, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, that would be in Samaria, probably Mount Gerizim, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where you ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we, we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am, or as the English translations add, I who speak to you am he. So Jesus, Messiah, clearly taught that God is seeking true worshipers to worship him and to be a true worshiper, a person must, notice the words of verse 24, must must, not should or ought to or can or if they want to, those that would worship God must worship Him in a certain way, in spirit and in truth. Now, Jesus, in the night in which He was betrayed, He took bread, He broke it, He gave it to them and said, Take this, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. He took the cup, the fruit of the vine. He drank it. He gave it to them. They drank it. He said, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. So Jesus instituted, as we say, His supper, what we call the Lord's Supper or communion, as it's called in 1 Corinthians uh, 11 and Excuse me, and also in 2 Corinthians, I believe it mentions the communion. According to the gospel, 
and by gospel I mean the New Testament books, when and how often are God's people supposed to partake communion? Now, what you learn or what you observe, and perhaps if you're listening, you're not a member of the Church of Christ. You don't know what we do, perhaps, or maybe you do, you've heard or you've visited before. Or maybe you're in a church that partakes communion every other week, once a month, once a quarter, once a year, twice a year. I've even heard of of communion being offered at weddings. I've heard of uh, communion being offered at uh, Christmas, (laughs) so-called Christmas and Easter even. All right. What do we know about the Lord's Supper? Some think we are going too far or I am going too far, when I teach that we're to take the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. What do we know from the Scriptures? Somebody says, there's not a verse that says, thou shalt take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Well, no, there's not a verse that says it just like that. But what do we know? Well, let's begin with where we started. Let's start where we started. Let's go back, I should say. John 4, 23 and 24. Again, the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. So He's he's searching for true worshipers to worship God in spirit and truth. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Again, notice Jesus gives us the proper object of worship, God, and a way we are to worship Him, the way we should worship Him, that we must, is the word, in spirit and truth. Now some, even in the churches of Christ, have claimed that the word spirit here is a reference to the Holy Spirit. I would uh, deny that. I would say that that's not the immediate context. The immediate context is in contrast to the physical locale of Mount Gerizim in Samaria or Jerusalem in Judea for the Jews. The contrast is with the outward expressions that the people of that day were involved in, the rituals, if you will. He's emphasizing that a person must come to God in his own and with his own spirit. And by his, I mean that individual, that man, that woman, that person. Worshiping God with and in your spirit and with your spirit. The idea is to be sincere, to worship from the heart. And this was a problem that God dealt with in the Old Testament times, in the Old Testament books times, back way back, I mean, and then under the uh, Old Covenant when Jesus was on earth, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and, and different ones the rules and regulations that they made, these rules and regulations had prevented and hindered people from truly coming to know God and obeying Him according to His Word. Instead, they were following their traditions. And it had gotten very ritualistic, uh, almost like a checklist, a way to, 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 to have a list and to check them off and say, I did this. And they were not worshiping with their spirits from the heart. And certainly God wants that. He wanted that in the Old Testament times. He wants that today 
under the new covenant times. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit. The idea is the same idea that Joshua had in mind before the end, before his end on earth, when he said, according to Joshua 24, 14 to Israel, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth. Notice that. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Almost a complete parallel uh, to... Uh, what Jesus said during his ministry in sincerity and in truth, in spirit and in truth. So here's what we know. Number one, we know God is seeking true worshipers to worship him a certain way in spirit and in truth. So we must worship God and that in a certain way according to truth. John 17, 17, your word is truth. Truth is always who God is, who Christ is, and what they have taught, which today we have in the written word. So we must worship God. Number two, we are to continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching, their doctrine, and also to continue devotedly in the breaking of the bread, the fellowship, and the prayers. That's Acts 2, 42. Look at that passage with me. Acts 2, 42. If you're not able to turn there right now, listen as I read aloud, obviously. And they continued steadfastly. Who's the they? The early church there in Jerusalem as it started. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, teaching, and fellowship, the sharing together of money and other things when they had need. In the breaking of bread, that is no doubt the bread of a spiritual purpose, communion, and in prayers. Here are four of the five avenues of worship in this verse. The early church continued devotedly or strongly in these things. And among these things in which they were persistent was the breaking of the bread. So the article the is in the Greek. The breaking of the bread. What else do we know? So we know that we must worship God and we must worship Him in a certain way with the right attitude, with our spirit, according to truth, according to His Word. And we're to be like them. They're the example for us to continue strongly, steadfastly in the apostles' teaching. One of those things was the breaking of the bread. Number three, we also know that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Uh, there were some uh, just before AD 70 uh, who were doing this. Uh, they were living in, or in and around uh, Jerusalem in the Judea area. And they, because of persecution and other outside forces, they had been forsaking the assembling of themselves together. That was some of them. That was their manner, as is the manner of some. Instead... They were to not forsake this assembly, this, as Hebrews 9.1 says, this earthly sanctuary. So the early church then, and the church even today, if we follow the gospel, the books of the Bible as they, we have them, we follow the 27 canonical books of the New Testament, understanding that the new covenant has fulfilled, filled full of the old. We do not live by the old. We learn from it but we are not amenable to the Mosaic Code. Then indeed, Hebrews 9.1, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. So we have ordinances of divine service, and they're in Hebrews 10.22-25, but also an earthly sanctuary even today. 
And the earthly sanctuary is the assembling of ourselves together. Hebrews 10.25, the Greek word episunagoge. The idea is to come together with one purpose in one place by one authority. For, for the one purpose is for God, for worship and for advocation and admonition. So we must not forsake that. Just as they were charged not to forsake it, we're not to forsake it either. We are instead to worship God faithfully with the brethren on the first day of the week. Number four, we also know that, that we're instructed, as they were instructed, to, to partake the Lord's Supper. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 25. Paul wrote, In the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, not only had Jesus said on Thursday night, the night of his betrayal, not only had he said, do this in memory of me, but then he had his apostle write to the churches, this do. And we know the early church did it. Acts 2.42, we'll come back in a moment to Acts 20 verse 7, and we know 1 Corinthians 11. They came together, but when they came together, they were not coming together to eat the Lord's Supper as they should, verse 20, because they did not have the right heart, the right soul, the right mind. They were not unified but divided and had turned the Lord's Supper into a love feast where some people enjoyed food and others didn't. So we know we must worship God, and that in a certain way as He's prescribed. Number two, we must continue strongly steadfastly in the breaking of the bread and we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together and number four we must partake the lord's supper because jesus and paul said and wrote this do so the question is when did they do it because we know the early church did it acts 2 42 1 corinthians 11 acts 20 verse 7 so when did they do it well they did it on the first day of the week. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. We must partake the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week. Somebody says, well, that's just a record of fact. That doesn't mean that we have to do it. Okay, listen very closely. After the church was established, Acts chapter 2, it's never recorded in Scripture that they partook of the communion on any other day. Now, here's my question. If God set it up for Sunday, and under the direction of Jesus' apostles, they partook it on the first day of the week, Acts 20, verse 7, who are we to change it? And why change it? Somebody says, well, we're not trying to change something it's just not legislated god didn't legislate he didn't say you have to do it on sunday but yes he did because he charged the church first corinthians look back with me again first corinthians 11 this verse 25 this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death till he comes 1 Corinthians 11, 25 and 26. So the question is, how often did they eat and drink it? Did God say, well, you can do it whenever you want? 
did, was the early church encouraged or taught by the apostles to do it once a quarter, once a month, once a year, once every five years at a wedding, at a funeral? You will learn none of those things that I just mentioned from the pages of the New Testament. But you will learn from the pages of the New Testament that it was upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread. When is an adverb of time. This was a habitual practice of the church at Troas. They came together on Sunday to break the bread of the Lord's Supper. They weren't coming together every Sunday so they could eat hot dogs together or so they could eat hamburgers or so they could eat fish or whatever else. They were coming together to remember the Lord's death, His resurrection, to worship Him, to remember the day the church was established. Acts chapter 2 was a Sunday when the day of Pentecost was fully come was the day after the Sabbath on a Sunday. So there's a lot of significance in the scripture in the scriptures on Sunday, the New Testament scriptures. So we must protect the Lord's Supper, number four. Number five, we must protect it on the first day of the week. If God set it up that way, if the early church practiced it that way, under the guidance of the uh, Jesus' apostles who had been given the authority of Christ to loose and bind whatever had been loosed and bound in heaven, Matthew 16, uh, 19 and Matthew 18, 18. If that's the case, who are we to change it? Instead of saying, well, it doesn't say you got to, we have the example, we have the command, we have the example, and we don't see it on any other day. Why are we not doing it the way they did? Because they were under the direct influence of the apostles that was the day they did it who are we to change it and here's another question why change it somebody might say well the only reason i would argue for anything different is just because it doesn't say you have to do it on this day some of these things that god has taught us are not taught to us in an explicit in an explicit statement you have to do this on this day instead it's do this, and then he shows us how to do it. And we do not have the authority to change it. Show me a place in Scripture where God has not only told his people what to do, but how to do it. He gave them an example to follow, but they were at liberty to do it however they wanted. Show me an example of that. Show me an example where God doesn't care how you worship or He doesn't care what day of the week you take the Lord's Supper. Show me an example. Show me a command. Show me anything that you can go off of that would make you think that God wants us to take it on any other day besides Sunday, the special day for Christians. Number six, we must protect the Lord's Supper every Sunday. No, there's not a verse that says every Sunday on, on the communion but there is a first day of the week, every week. 52 of them on our calendar. Again, Acts 20, verse 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread. See, this was an established practice. This passage emphatically states that they were gathered together on the first day of the week for the purpose of breaking the bread. That is, Partaking the Lord's Supper, the communion. Now, here's my question that I want, that I that I wish and 
But I want and I wish and I pray others could hear and answer. Why do so many professing Christians, so many professing churches, not observe communion every Sunday? Because there's a Sunday every week, and that's when they took it on Sunday. How can people in good conscience take it once a year, once a quarter, on a wedding, at a funeral, at a baptism, or just whenever they think it's a good time? How can that those types of observances be from heaven and not from God? I mean, what verse do you point to to say, yeah, this would, this would lead me to believe I should do it this way? No. There is no such indication. There is no such scriptural leading. There is no, no. Somebody says, well, Jesus took the Lord's Supper on Thursday. We can do it today on Thursday if we want to. Notice, the whole podcast episode has been based on the truth that after the church was established, Acts chapter 2, it's never recorded in Scripture that they partook of the communion on any other day. But instead, they were to come together on the first day of the week to practice their liturgy, their, their ordinances of divine service. Hebrews 9, 1, Hebrews 10, verses 22 to 25. Incidentally, verse 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Well, that would be the Lord's Supper. That's communion. And by not assembling, they were not holding fast the confession of their hope. What was their hope? The death of Jesus. What do we show forth when we take when we partake of communion as Christians? The death of Jesus as we look forward to his return. They were not carrying out the ordinances of divine service, Hebrews 9.1, as they should have because they weren't even assembling. So, again, number one, we must worship God. Two, we must continue steadfastly in the breaking of the bread. Number three, we must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together for worship, which included the communion. And four, we must partake the Lord's Supper, Jesus said, and Paul wrote, this do. And the early church did it. So we asked the question, well, when did they do it? Number five, we must partake the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week because we have no authority to change it and the big question becomes why would somebody change why wouldn't somebody say oh i want to do it the way they did it then i don't want to do it any different i don't want to change it for sake of change i'm not looking for an excuse or a loophole or some cute argument that sounds neat so that we could do it on a different day number six we must partake it on the lord's day this every sun on sunday every sunday Partake what? The Lord's Supper, communion. Because the first day of the week occurs every week. Each week has one. The passage, Acts 20, verse 7, emphatically states that they were gathered together on the first day of the week for the purpose of breaking the bread. Now, here's my concluding thought. If God has commanded His people to observe the Lord's Supper, and the way the apostles, uh, the way Christ, I should say, had the apostles set it up, was on Sunday. And there's a Sunday every week. Why should we not partake of it every week? 
Somebody says, well, it gets old if you do it too often. Or that's not the way we did it growing up. Or my mama doesn't believe that. Or my preacher never taught that. Or Folks, those are, those are insufficient reasons. Those are irrelevant arguments for when and why and how we should protect the Lord's Supper. Everything should hinge upon, thus says the Lord, it should hinge upon the holy text, the sacred text. Again, if God has commanded His people to observe the Lord's Supper and the way Christ had the apostles set it up was on Sunday, and there's a Sunday every week, why should we not partake it every week? What in Scripture would cause anyone to think that it pleases Jesus to do something else. I can look to a host of other passages that would teach that it does not please God when we change or alter what He has instructed and the way He has instructed us to do it. Well, I hope that's been beneficial for you. If this has added value to your life, this episode, do me a favor. Please share it so others can find it. And Lord willing, it will be a blessing to them. Thanks for listening to the Give Me Understanding podcast. I'm Aaron Dodson. If you're ever in northeast Arkansas, you're ever in or around Jonesboro, Arkansas, I want to invite you to the Washington Avenue Church of Christ. We meet on Sundays at 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and 5 p.m., Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for Bible study. We have classes, Bible classes, on Sunday morning and Wednesday night for all ages. And you would be our honored guest. I pray that individuals in our community will visit us so that we can meet them and we can do what we can to help people understand God's Word so that they might obey God's law and observe it with all their heart. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.